You are now listening to the Lunch Break Podcast. What's going on, everybody? My name is James Bodden, and this is episode three of the Lunch Break Podcast. The Lunch Break Podcast is a podcast where I have sales professionals come on the show, tell their story so that we all can learn from their experiences. Everybody has a story of their career in sales, and there's always valuable things that can be learned from it. And today, I feel very honored and extremely excited to have one of my good friends on the show, John Kaufman. He is the CEO of US-based Lamour Training, and we connected on LinkedIn several months ago and have had just dynamite conversations with John. Every time I talk to John, I feel like I've learned something. I feel invigorated to go out and be the best salesperson I can be. And so I wanted to bring him here so he can do the same thing for the listeners of the Lunch Break Podcast. So with that, John, welcome to the show, sir. Hello, James. Great Great to see you again. Great to talk to you. As always, you are one of my inspirations as well. Let's just uh, make it a, a theme that we always start off with some good flattery. Uh, yes. I think that's always... Mutual appreciation societies go down very well in my book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, John, so I think we can just jump right into it. Uh, we, we have a lot to talk about, a lot of things mm-hmm. that I want to cover. So tell us how you got started in sales. It, 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 it's a difficult question for me to answer particularly into a US audience. Uh, The the reason why I got involved in sales was because I had no alternative. Uh, as, as, As you know, James, and as your listeners will understand that I am originally from the United Kingdom, um, I, I promise this is a natural accent. It's not something I've, <laughs> I, I'm not really from Kentucky and, and, and I've developed, a nice accent. yeah, that's right. And I've, I've developed this through years of coaching. It, it, it is absolutely natural, <laughs> but, but, um, when, when I was at what you guys would call high school, it was actually possible to leave school at the age of 16 uh, and, uh, go into the wonderful world of, of work. Uh, and I actually left school at 16 with, with no qualifications to my name whatsoever. And, and the most appropriate place that my father thought I should go would be into sales, which is ironic, actually, because um, the, the <laughs> it, it, it was his view that, that uh, people, salespeople didn't need qualifications. Uh, and it's actually quite interesting because in terms of what, where I am today and what I do today, um, I, I'm, a, I'm an enormous evangelist, as you well know, about continual learning yeah. for, the sales, for, for, for the sales profession. So, so, so there's a certain irony there. And, and my first sales job was actually in the retail environment. I was, uh, I was actually selling gentlemen's clothing. Uh, and by, the, by the age of 17 and a half, I was able to, I'd been trained to actually measure a gentleman for a bespoke suit. I was um, going to say the bespoke, uh, yeah, boutique clothing boutique. That's, yeah, but I had a sideline, which was my, my great passion. Actually, was radio broadcasting, and I actually I actually was a gopher for a producer at my local BBC radio station. Oh wow! And would do and would do anything to get on the air, 
uh, which I did quite frequently on a weekly on, on a weekly basis. But my father kind of thought that was like show business, yeah. and you know it was never going to end anywhere. So it was a life of sales for me. Yeah, uh, and, and and it's been my great as you as you know it's been my great passion, and it's actually been the great basis and platform for some of the greatest professional experiences and some of the greatest professional relationships I've ever had. And I'm absolutely delighted that, um, it, that, that life took me down this career path. Yeah, I just think that's so funny. I know you said that, um, you know, for the U.S.-based audience, it might not resonate. But I think the majority of salespeople that I talk to say that, that same thing. Like, I felt like I had no other option. Or, I mean, that, that was me. I got out of, um, you know, a two-year... Uh, specialty school studying digital audio production with zero job opportunities looked around and realized I needed to make some money and thought maybe sales would be a way to do that so I think it, it, it you're, you're not alone in uh, kind of like stumbling into it as kind of like well I guess I could do this and then it just becomes this you realize what it actually is once you get into it uh, well it's, it's, it's an interesting point because I mean, um, I mean, anecdotally, when my friends uh, and peer group were, were graduating from college and university, I actually, you know, already w was in a career that I was being successful in. I already owned my own house. Uh, wow. I, 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 I wasn't sharing a tea bag with four other people. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in shared student accommodation. I, I mean, having said that, I would also say that there were many experiences that i missed out on sure in terms of not not being at college sure and 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 uh in terms of my own daughter who who, who uh, is is now 23 i was very keen that she went to college although she did decide that she was going to go and do her own thing really? uh, when, when, when she got there but 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 the, but the real but, but the reality is is is, is that i, I mean I, I i do wish i had that had that that, that, that college experience but wouldn't it have been great to have kind of have, have, have had both? But, but what I find kind of quite fascinating um, ab about that whole, kind of whole experience, the reality is, is I actually think that salespeople within an organization, they are the, the rocket scientists, they are the brain surgeons. Mm. Because the fact of the matter is, is that every organization has a reliance on sales that is actually the difference between success and failure. Mm -hmm. It's the salespeople that are the heartbeat of the organization with regards to actually keeping everybody else in a job. Yeah. You, know, uh, we, we, you know, I love accountants and I love people that work in the finance accounting industry. And they have provided me during my business experience with some of the, so, so, some of the greatest lessons um, of, of kind of creating that balance in terms of understanding how to run a business. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that unless somebody sells something, we've got no cash to collect. We've, we've got no money to pay anybody. And, and so therefore, for me, the sales, um, the, the sales profession is, is the heartbeat of industry. Yeah. Uh, and as, as, you, as you know, you know, today I'm the CEO of a sales training organization. Funny, funny that, given that it is one of my passions. Um, I put my money where my mouth is. Um, yeah, but. but, uh, but um, but but what what is what what what's a big thing for me is is, is and I, I'm obviously talking to salespeople all the time and talking to sales leaders and and organisations that wish they had a, a, a more 
productive performance from salespeople. And, and, you know, one of my first questions is, tell me, when was the last time your organization invested in a continual learning environment yeah. um, for your salespeople? Um, and, and you'd be amazed the amount of organizations and people that turn around to me and say, you know, I think we did that once. One time. You know, we, got every, we got everybody together, you know, uh, and, 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 and yeah, we, we brought a third party company in and so on. And so forth. But, but they, what, what they don't do, of course, is, is they, they don't make it a consistent, and you, you don't have to bring third party organizations in to, to create a consistent learning environment. Exactly. You know, you, you know the, there are lots of things that you can do without actually having to spend a lot of money. I mean, I would love you to spend a lot of money. I'd love you to spend a lot of money with me, like many other organizations do. Having sure. said that, having, having said that, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And what I find absolutely fascinating is, is that, you know, if you look at the legal profession, the medical profession, the finance and accounting profession, the HR profession, the IT profession, which are all roles that are enormously important for businesses to be able to succeed with the exception of the medical profession, of course, unless the CEO has a heart attack um, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere on the line. Those, those professions have a requirement for continual learning. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a Built requirement. Built in, baked in. It is, it is, it's, no ab- absolutely, it's absolutely, uh, and, and so I evangelize on doing that for salespeople. Um, and, and, um, and, and you'd be amazed with the, the number of sales leaders and organizations that I speak to um, and, and that I talk to that, that um, frankly feel embarrassed. And so they should, yeah. uh, to be quite, to be, and, 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 and so they should. Salespeople need to be invested in. Uh, you don't need to invest a lot to get a, a lot back in return. And it needs to be contextual. It needs to be consistent. And it needs to be sustainable. And I'm happy yeah. to tell you exactly what I mean by all of those different things. But please do. do no, you yeah. Ask, you ask me questions. No, yeah. I mean, I think so much of what you said is so interesting because it is just such an interesting way that uh, sales people, sales teams within an organization are treated and looked at because you're completely right nothing happens until something gets sold and everybody knows that it's it's common knowledge it's nothing new that you have to drive revenue to succeed as a business and salespeople are the way that you do that but for as much as that is like a given and as much as that's common sense to anybody that has an inkling of business the fact that it's not directly correlated with ongoing support of learning, development, training. I think about my sales career, uh, the last 10 years, I probably have gone to, in 10 years, I've probably gone to five training sessions <laughs> that, were, that were planned to be that. Yes. And I'd say three of them were not contextual. Mm-hmm. not relevant mm-hmm. and really essentially was just a way to, you know, Hey, I get a day off this week. I have a training. That, so that, that's what I call the, it's what I call the, the, the paint on the wall learning strategy. 
mm-hmm. which is what you do is you get a bucket of paint and you throw as much of it at the wall as you possibly can and hope that as much of it sticks. Yeah. But the, reali- the, the reality is, I mean, as much, we place as much focus on what happens after the training as we do during the training, to be quite frank with you. Uh, yeah. and, and, and how do we do that? I mean, I actually feel that one of our primary roles is not actually to deliver training to salespeople, ironically. Mm-hmm. One of our primary roles is actually to provide a level of support to sales leaders and sales managers to coach and mentor their salespeople in a manner in which is going to create positive results and is going to create collaboration and is going to create best, best practice. And, yeah. we do that, and we do that through delivering a skills framework mm-hmm. that's contextual, relevant, and appropriate to, to, to their salespeople. So that hopefully if you cut that sales organization with a knife, one of its main arteries, it's going to all bleed in yep. the same way. Well, I think that part of it is so important because then it takes it from, because every training I've ever been a part of uh, was definitely and felt like a one-off event. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to do this training one time and you know, if we're lucky, everybody's engaged. If we're lucky, everybody shows up. If we're lucky, the training's decent. But then after that, we're all back to our desks and, you know, maybe a few process changes have taken place as a result of the training, maybe, but there isn't that continued framework because, um, it sounds like what you guys do, and, and, and I know this is what you do from, from talking to you, uh, you, help, uh, you help companies implement a culture mm-hmm. of learning and development. Because yeah. like you said, it's not a one-time thing. It's got to be culturally adopted so that every part of it, it's not just, you know, your one-day training or, you know, your, your one-on-one coaching session that you have with your sales manager bi-weekly it's an ongoing thing and i'm curious being that you work you know on the front lines with sales management sales leadership what are you what are you, what are your thoughts on the fact that sales leadership and sales management don't use training enough i mean it, i have to feel like even uh you know taking out the fact that you're the ceo of a sales training company it's it, uh, just being a salesperson and, and having been a sales practitioner for long enough, uh, it's got to be kind of an obvious thing that you've seen over the years because I've seen it that training's underutilized and it's not deployed correctly and it's not uh, implemented in a way that actually helps salespeople. Well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And, and, and I mean, some of them are that there, there is perhaps uh, a difficulty in un- actually understanding the difference between professional influential selling and order taking. See, many organizations today have a level of momentum, which, um, you know, is, is demonstrated through existing customer relationships, mm-hmm. through specific well-earned and deserved reputations and credibility that they have in the marketplace, etc. Uh, but they're not necessarily uh, developing sales and really fulfilling opportunity 
by having salespeople that are actually undertaking a professional and, and, and highly influential um, sales process and sales framework. They're kind of supporting somebody buying something from them. Yeah. And, 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 and so you have to start with organizations actually understanding where, where is that happening within their business? And, yeah. I, and I actually ask CEOs or sales leaders of organizations, you know, if, if you gave all your salespeople the month off, how much business do you think you would do? Mm. Uh, and, and of course, the reality is, is that the, the, the more business that they do, the more order taking is going on than there is actually professional selling. Sure. Uh, and I, I don't suggest for one minute that they give their salespeople um, uh, 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 lots of time off. For them to work that out, but yeah. the whole idea is is to start to get them thinking about where is their business coming from, yep. and and when they start to identify that the business is more revolving around order taking and influential selling, then they'll start to think about how do they promote influential selling, because then they'll start to see the promotion of influential selling as being an incremental productivity performance uh, matrix within their business mm. which is going to impact their bottom line and that impact on the bottom line is then going to demonstrate a return on investment from the sales I mean, i'm like every other salesperson out there what i'm doing is helping my clients understand how they overcome pain and they take advantage of opportunity and gain you know it's, it's you know we're, we're, we're all doing the same thing it's just we we, we happen to be do, doing it in a different way and, and in terms of how we go about the sales training I think we provide enormous amounts of flexibility and we actually get people to think in a completely different way I'm working for instance I'm working with a with a software company in the UK at the moment um, uh, that are enormously feature advantage benefit led as far as their sales process is concerned got it and the CEO of that organization is, is completely aware of that and understands that they're not going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that they've got unless they can get the sales organization to be business solution-led rather than FAB-led. Yep. Um, now, I know the term FAB is, very, you know, is a very old, old, old term. I mean, I was taught FAB um, you know, when I was in the same sales class as Moses. Um, uh, but... I don't think you got, I think there was at least, at least a couple of years between you guys. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm two years older than him. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. You're, you're so right. Um, uh, the, 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 the point is, is, is that what I've done with the, those sales guys in terms of starting a process of understanding how a learning framework is going to fit with them is to actually say to them, I want you to think about selling your product, your solution, without ever giving a product demonstration. Mm. The first time the client sees the product is when they're trained on how to use it. That is almost, I'm sure you get greeted with these uh, deer in headlights looks because that is, uh, you know, the demo runner is definitely a class of salesperson nowadays right so you, the, you've got the order takers and then you've got you know the demo guys who use that as their crutch totally well and, and it's, it's and, and actually how that came about was that 
I got sent a recording of one of their podcasts. Okay. And, 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 and I'll be very happy to share the email that I sent the CEO. Yeah. I, said to him, I, I said to him, I have listened to five minutes of this 45-minute podcast. If you make me listen to any more of it, I am going to double my fee. <laughs> because, and, and, and quite frankly, it'll be worth it because of the enormous human sacrifice I'm making to having to listen to somebody try and, and, and demonstrate a product without understanding or identifying what the client's compelling need is, what their gain is, uh, is, is likely to be, what their pain is that they're going to overcome, and therefore how the product is going to enable them to be able to do that and provide a business solution. And I've got to tell you, and I can't mention the name, certainly based on what I've just, uh, what I'm about to say, yeah. is, is that we have just cracked one of the largest IT vendors in the world, and they have exactly the same issue. Isn't that, well, uh, I would say that it's surprising, but to you, it's probably not surprising. And it's interesting because I th it's a problem that can exist at every size business. Correct. And, and, and that's, that's what's really interesting about what we do is, yeah. is, 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 is that there is enormous commonality between different organizations, whether, you know, um, we, we've, we've just actually quite recently through one of our licensed partners in Florida has ju have just finished a program for a uh, local insurance broker and therefore salespeople. Yeah. So the content is exactly the same as we're delivering to large enterprise, you know, multinational organizations. However, obviously, it's contextualized around their product, their market, their sector, and so on, yep. etc. And, and uh, the fact of the matter is, is that their need is exactly the same as the multinational, you know, international, multi-billion dollar, you know, corporation. The pain the, is the, the same. The, it, 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 it's absolutely right. And one of the critical things that we're doing for these organizations, which is quite frankly uh, one of the most simplistic things that we can do, which, which in, in this world of, of analytics is, I think, so important, is that we're providing people with a framework to sell. We're providing them with uh, uh, actually what one of my latest clients calls a deal journey map mm. something that every salesperson can basically navigate through and be able to plan for diversions based on in different information and priorities and so on mm -hmm. but that they've always got something that they can um help utilize the information that they're gathering within a process, yeah, a sales process that works, which, as you know, is called you know, our sales process is called the principal selling series. Now, um, that is itself, and I'm going to talk about something I started by talking about is 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 that what that also does is it provides a completely new dimension for sales leaders to coach and mentor because now. Because they have a framework. Uh, Correct. Um, yeah. So that is. So you, you're absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and 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 so and, and this kind of gets me onto my latest. You know, uh, and I say latest. I mean, it's, it, it's been going on for a little while now. 
but 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 my kind of my latest great you know criticism of life you know is is sales analytics um uh because i mean we have some of the most wonderful information and analytics that's available to us through our crm systems and other measurement uh processes and software uh, you know everything that the te technology is, 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 is providing us with but the fact of the matter is is that from a sales leadership perspective we are leaning on that information on the basis that we falsely believe that leaning on that information is actually is is, is actually going to support our sales organization and the reality is it's not it it's going to provide a, an assistance but the fact of the matter is is that that information is only a reflection and a representation of the activity of the salespeople and the activity of the salespeople if not taken through a deal journey map or a learning framework is is going to be all over the place as a, as as will the analytics so much of this uh, resonates with me because of kind of where i'm at uh, with cognetic we're building all of this mm. and so for you know i've been in experiences in roles where uh, there was that framework that was in place which in those scenarios, um, I may have felt like maybe some of the framework wasn't as updated or uh, as relevant as it should have been because it was something that was maybe implemented years before that they haven't taken the time to kind of look at again, um, which I think is an interesting thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Those frameworks and that, that, that roadmap needs to kind of constantly be refreshed in order for it to actually do what you are saying it can do and, and help leadership. But I've also been in, in scenarios where because of that huge lack of a predetermined and predefined framework, all of the attention is on how many calls were made, uh, how many emails, you know, did we reach out to a thousand people today? Why didn't we reach out to 2000 people? And it's all just leaning on things that have, like you said, it's a reflection. It's something that's already happened. When you've got a framework in place and your sales leadership is in tune to it and it's relevant and it's created in a way that makes sense, that allows you to now not be so reactionary. You can, exactly. you, can uh, you know, be there to support your sales rep as things happen because you know they're following a process. So that, that is, is a great point. And I think that's something that sales leaders that are listening to this can, can really take away is... is, is uh, I hope they do. I, I, I honestly hope they do. You know, I mean, it, it's... Um, when, when I started selling in a professional business-to-business -business environment, which was kind of a, in the, you know, in the, in the early 80s. I mean, that, you know, selling in the 80s, you know, with the kind of Crockett and Tubbs mentality of, um, you know, kind of fancy cars and fancy lines and fancy ladies. Yeah. It's not representative of, of, of how business and how selling should be done today. Yeah. And, and, of course, how I was... Uh, taught to sell um was that uh selling is 90 percent perspiration and 10 percent inspiration 
And I, and I absolutely get that. And actually, I'm a, I'm a great believer in that today. However, there, is a, there has to be a balance with everything. The, first of all, the Glen Glary, the, I can't even pronounce it, the Glen Gary Glen Ross, ABC always be closing. Coffee's for closers. Coffee's for closers is what we call a self-centric selling model. Mm -hmm. Self-centric selling is all about what the salesperson needs. It's not what all about the client needs. The client will spot that today. Yes. In particular, the 21st century client. Forrester said, maybe a couple of years ago, Forrester did research to say that 70% of business-to-business -business decision makers today were millennials. Mm. <laughs> millennials... I've got a funny feeling you, 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 you must be pretty close to being a millennial. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm on the older, I'm like an older millennial. It's weird. Yeah, a bit like me, bit, bit like me then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you weren't supposed to laugh at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the fact of the matter is, 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 is that millennials aren't going to be sold to like that. You know? yeah. uh, the fact of the matter is, is, is that today, selling and the selling framework has to be client-centric it's about what the client wants it's about how we support the clients as salespeople yep. um to be able to fulfill the business benefit yep. and and how we utilize the sales process as an ability to educate yes. the, deci the decision maker on how they're going to best go about expanding their business and fulfilling their objectives, utilizing the solution and the credibility of that solution that, that, that we're going to provide. You know, a sales process has to be an education for the client, you know? Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why it has to be an education for the clients is because the client is bombarded with information today, both reactively and proactively. Mm -hmm. I mean, most salespeople don't actually realize that many of the prospect decision makers know more about their marketplace and their competition than they do. Yep, that's real. That's totally real. Yeah, absolutely totally real. Um, however, having said that, most salespeople also don't realize, and this is one of the things that we do do very strongly within our training programs, is that we help salespeople understand not, how, not just how to sell effectively, but help them to understand how people buy. Because the reality yeah. is, we all buy in the same way, physiologically. You know, we all have, uh, we all go about making decisions based on emotion. Mm. And then what we do is we justify and rationalize those decisions based on things that are much harder. Yes. And within that process, we have to manage risk. And as a salesperson, we need to understand that process, that physiological process that decision makers are going through, that we go through as salespeople when we buy things. I, I actually made a post on LinkedIn uh, this week about it, like realizing that the person that's on that call list that you're calling, that's an actual person, not a buyer persona, not a uh, X type of prospect. It's an actual person that, that is going to buy things the same way. So I think that's really key that you guys focus in on that. And that kind of leads me to what I wanted to talk about next. I mean, so with what you guys are doing at Lemoore, uh, mm -hmm. talk, talk, talk to us about that. I mean, how can, uh, you know, if a sales leader is listening to this or a salesperson is listening to this and it's like, God, you know, I need this kind of training in my life. 
give me the rundown and and then how uh how they can well, get in touch with you as well 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 so 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 you know i'm delighted to have been invited to come and speak um uh with you today james and and it's a great honor for you to to, to ask me um uh, and to, to, to use this as an opportunity for our own demand generation is, is, is tremendous. And, and, and I thank you for that. However, let's not go into the pitch. You know, I do is I invite people to come and talk to me. Come and tell me about some of your challenges and your issues. Come and tell me about what some of the performances that you've got uh, from individual salespeople, from the organization overall. And let's have a chat. Uh, and, and, and let me have the opportunity um, to perhaps support you by just providing some um, interesting and hopefully um, uh, direct and, and, and um, highly relevant uh, feedback. And yeah. then let's see. Um, and then let's see how we can take that and use that as an ability, as 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 a as, as, as ingredients to help create compelling need for you to actually invest in sales training and understand what that need looks like, and then understand what the solution is that's going to provide the credibility, both within the organisation and for the salespeople that are going to be 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 led, and then most importantly, what the perceived value is. Yeah. And that perceived value, uh, and what, I, what do I mean by perceived value? And, and let me just tell you that value is the most, uh, the, the term and the word value is the most um, misused terminology in the sales profession. Value is always specific to the organization that you are selling to, to the individual you're selling to. It's always perceived. It is never, ever generic. If a salesperson ever tells me that they provide value add, uh, I, I uh, you know, as, as, as uh, I'm not a citizen of the United States, but as you know, I'm a resident of the United States. If I was a citizen, I would exercise my Second Amendment right um, for, for anybody that told me that value add was something yeah. that they provided. Um, uh, it's just it, such an empty. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's completely right. And, it's and worse than coffees for closers nowadays. It, it, it's totally to, 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 to that. So what I do is I invite people to have a chat with. Let's let, let, let's let's have a conversation, and let's because what I would like to do is through utilizing my great passion, help perhaps educate you mm-hmm. on things that you could be doing. Some of those things you won't have to spend a dime on, yep. quite frankly. Yep. But there are other things in terms of creating the sustainability and, and the continuity of developing that framework, that, that deal journey map yep. that's relevant and appropriate to your organization where there is an investment required. But the way we'll go about designing and developing that with you will also be demonstrating the, 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 the return on that. I love it. No, and I mean, I think it's so funny to me when, uh, so I, first of all, I love the way that you approach the way that you think about it. And, you know, let's have a conversation and just let me learn first. Um, Yeah. And God, because I can't tell you the most ironic thing to me is when, uh, like on LinkedIn, when somebody that runs a sales training company hits me with like the worst most hmm. generic prospecting 
LinkedIn message because it's like, you can, why would I want to get trained by somebody who uh, is sending out worse communication than I am right now? So I just love that you you live <laughs> you live what you teach. You know, you know uh, no, no, I'm, I'm totally, and, and James, I've got, I've got to tell you that you know, eighty percent of our business is, comes from referral. Yeah, for that for that very reason, yep. um, I, I, and um, uh, it, it's it, it, that's a, you know an enormously important attribute you know for for, for this organisation yep. uh, that that it that it does it, it, it does c- c- come through referral, and and we're very innovative about how we go about giving people the opportunity to try what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I you know if I want to go and spend. You know, a hundred thousand dollars on a car, for instance. I, I expect to be able to have the opportunity to drive it Please. around Please. without having to spend a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's common sense. Yeah, absolutely right. So, one of the things that's very important to me in terms of how we go about doing what we do is we create a very low barrier to entry for people to jump on board because yep. then they will build and build and quite. Frankly, I ask some very simple questions of sales leaders and salespeople when we have the conversation. I ask questions like, if you went to five different salespeople within your sales organization and asked them all to provide you with an elevator pitch, would you get five different elevator pitches and what would they sound like? I would ask them, if the same objection was provided to those five different salespeople, would they all handle it in the same way? Would they handle it at all? I think that's probably a more valid question. <laughs> or would they, or, 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 or would they get five different ways of handling the objection? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's questions like that because what we do is, you know, a sales organization is as strong as its lowest common denominator, its mm. weakest link. Mm. So true. So true. Always, it's, it, 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 it's, it's always the case. Anyway, uh, no, so I, I absolutely invite anybody to, to, to get in touch uh, and, and, and have a conversation. I, I'm always delighted to, to talk to people uh, about, uh, you know, about a subject that I've got some mild interest in. Yeah, you know, something that you kind of just a little bit passionate about. Yeah. You know, I, I love it, John. And, and just really love and and have since we kind of first met and talked uh and that's why i knew it would be so great to have you on the show because of the way that you look at sales in general um i just think that that we need more of this kind of thinking in in the sales world and so the the question that i ask every guest all two all two now three is uh because it's the lunch break podcast what is yes. your favorite lunch spot if you had to pick okay so right okay, okay so I'm, I'm going to answer the question slightly differently if you don't mind i'm not the surprised first, that you would the first thing is i i don't have favorites okay okay leave it to um, you so I, I i don't have favorite food i don't have favorite music i don't have you know favorite actors what i have are things that I am in the mood for at that particular time. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Everything is relevant and and appropriate and contextualized to how I'm feeling at that particular moment. I love it. However, however, there is some, you know, stuff that I, you know, do love. If I'm in London, uh, Ruben's on Baker street is the most wonderful kosher restaurant where I get hot salt beef, chopped liver and potato latkes. 
which is always very good. The other thing I was going to say to you as well is actually, it's not actually about where I'm, uh, where, where I'm eating. Um, uh, I, it's, it's actually about who I'm eating with. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's actually more important to me than, than, than anything else. As you well, as, as you well know, uh, at this moment in time, I'm actually in, in, in Dublin. Yeah. And I, 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 and I had a wonderful lunch uh, a, a, a little while ago, and it wasn't about the food; it was about the company. I love it. I love it. That that's uh, leave it to John to have the uh, most unique way of looking at that question. Uh, you never let me down. You never <laughs> let me down, John. And you know, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I think just everything that we've talked about is just, like we said, every salesperson at any size business, sales leadership, you know, they're all dealing with these same issues. And, you know, these gems that you've dropped are just great ways to start thinking about it, like framing it in a different way. And I just appreciate you so much coming on. And I guess the last question is, how can people get in touch with you through LinkedIn or... So, yeah, as you know, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you and I are connected on LinkedIn, which is how we first met. Um, yep, yep. Uh, that, that, that wonderful um, networking tool, LinkedIn. I wish I had that 30 years ago, rather than having to walk on foot cold calling, knocking on doors in the cold, wet rain of northeast England. Mm. Um, um, however, uh, you, can get, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can email me at j-o-h-n dot k-a-u-f-f-m-a-n at lamore.com l-a-m-m-o-r-e or you can always give me a call 603-686-4559 i am based in the most beautiful uh town and city of portsmouth in the great state of new hampshire on the seacoast there and uh, i've been i've been there as you know james i've been there now for, for, for nearly 10 years and, and I, um, I, I, I love it dearly. Not a bad place to be, John. And, and again, thank you so much for joining me today. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode three of the Lunch Break podcast. Speak to you guys soon.